0: I am a vessel. I want to speak your word, Jesus. Speak to the minds and the hearts of everybody that's here this morning. Those that are listening to us from home, Lord, touch their hearts. Lord, tug on them to hear this word. Lord, in Jesus' name, we say amen. You may be seated. Worship team, I want to thank you for this wonderful song leading us to worship and praise. I want to give honor and thanks to my pastor for giving me the opportunity to speak to you this morning. And really, I've always loved um, talking about this subject or I've always loved studying about it. But every time that I get around to it, every time that I look a little bit deeper, there's always a little bit more that God puts in my heart. There's just a little bit more that his word gives unto us. And isn't that just the beauty of the living word that we read, that every time you read it, there's going to be just something more that there's there for you. It could be that you just needed to hear the the story and remind yourself that you can be molded. But oftentimes we don't realize maybe just how deep this small passage is. And today, hopefully, you and I can just discover what we can learn from this passage, what examples we can apply to our lives. And and really, I want this to be more just of us learning together, us discovering, and and really, hopefully, you can be encouraged, right? Brother Emil preached about being encouraged, encouraging one another. And it seems almost that the theme has revolved around us being there for each other. But just for a moment, I want to talk to you that from the beginning... God showed us where we came from. In Genesis 2-7, it says, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. I don't know many of you that work with clay every day. I certainly don't. Um, Perhaps less and less now, as the things that we build are from steel or from wood. But if you're interested, clay is formed from the ground. It requires someone to pick it up and do something with it. You can find clay in the ground. I'm sure if you dig deep enough here in Florida, maybe three feet, not that much, you can find a form of clay. But it won't do anything if it just sits there someone has to take it in their arms and do something with it. And there alone lies a a lesson, right? We have to work and cultivate, and the Bible teaches us about that. But today, I I really want us to just take a look at a couple of different aspects, right? When God takes a hold of something, he transforms it. He doesn't leave it the way it was. He took dust and made a man. He formed a man, right? That's that alone itself, just we could talk on and on about God's power and everything he did to do that, right? The complexity of the organism, the, the nerve system. If you ever look at a diagram of how a body is made, there's highway systems of, of, of uh, 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 circulation in your body, bloodlines. It's just so complex. I have no idea how any of it works. But I know that when I wake up in the morning, God's grace is upon me because I take another breath. I begin to think and say, wow, God, you've given me another day. It doesn't matter. I don't have to understand it to know that God is behind it. I don't have to understand how exactly God formed a man from the dust, but I know that he did. So, when we look at clay, clay itself... You know, the dirt, the soil can just be there. But it requires something to be molded. It requires a substance, it requires something else. And if again, if you dig in, in, in Florida, or if you find clay, or if you're up north in Georgia, it's it's full of clay. And you walk through it, there's the red sands or the red dirts through the mountains. That's a form or a type of clay. But there is water that is required for clay to be malleable, to be molded. And I often overlook this part when we're reading about the potter's wheel and being on the potter's wheel. I don't think about the water that is required. But we need baptism in the name of Jesus. If we are to be that clay that the Word of God talks to us about, then we need to be baptized. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's great. So we need soil. We need somebody to do something with the soil. We need water. It's almost like a recipe, right? But, but when clay becomes, okay, you have, the, you have been baptized. Perhaps you have the Holy Ghost. But at the end of the day, sometimes left alone, you just get a lump of clay. Someone could pick it up, do something with it, set it aside, and it's just a lump of clay. I don't want to be a lump of clay. I want to have a purpose in God's kingdom. I want to be someone that can do something for God's kingdom. But if we really are honest with ourselves, to be more than just a lump of clay, we have to be in a position that we can be molded. We have to be open to be molded. We have to be on the potter's wheel. And here's where perhaps our lesson can kick off. Because up until this point, you and I have all shared the same attributes. We all have lives. We all have past. We all have experiences. We all have challenges. We all have tribulations. Different, way different from one another. But we all have them nonetheless. We all can be baptized in the name of Jesus. We all can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We all have the ability to do so. We have access to God and his spirit. But if we don't allow ourselves, if we don't sacrifice or crucify our flesh and our mind, we are not going to be able to jump on or be placed on the potter's wheel. What is the potter's wheel? Well, in Jeremiah 18, 5-6, five, six, five 6 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Said the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine, in mine hand. O house of Israel. God is telling the, the house of Israel, the family, the, the church, or, or the people, if the potter can mold clay, I need to be able to mold you, right? But if we are not following God's will, if we go against the grain, I almost think about it like this. If I were that clay and that clay had life and it jumped on that potter's wheel and the potter stepped up with moist hands ready to start working it and then the the, the lump of clay says, nope, don't touch me, then how are you going to be formed into something? If God speaks to you through a preacher or a teacher or, or, or even uh anybody, your neighbor or your friend, if they if God talks to you through them, but you tell them no, what are you telling God? Are you open to be malleable? Are you open to be molded into something? How do you know what God's turning you into? How do you know what God is building you up to be? What kind of vessel At this point, we have no idea. It's just a lump of clay. It's on the potter's wheel. It's it's been taken from the ground. There's moist in it. It's ready to go. But what next? It doesn't end there. There is a story. There is a trajectory that we have to get to. And and I I hope you're not taking me the wrong way. It's great to be baptized in the name of Jesus. It's great to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But it doesn't end there. There is way more than just that. You don't get to hang up your hat and say, I have made it because we haven't made it yet. If you and I are here today, I'll tell you, we have not made it yet. We have somewhere to go. We will get there, but we haven't made it yet. There is more to come. So we've made it this far. We're on the potter's wheel. We we, we give in and we say, you know what, Jesus, mold me. We have the right attitude. We have the right mindset. But we require the right potter. I mean, I know people that work with pottery. And some of them are really good. Some of them are terrible. (laughs) They're just starting out. They don't know what they're doing. When I was in high school, uh, we had a class and they told us, I think everybody went through this in school or some form or fashion. And if you're not going through it now, you're not missing out. But they had us make a little cup or something to give to mom and dad for either Valentine's Day or Mother's Day. I forget what it was. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm a, I, I like to say I'm a savvy person. I, I think I could have done it. Very high confidence. And they gave us uh, pre-made clay, and, and they made it into a spiral, and you make loops, and then you, you know, smooth it out, and you, you make a cup or what you think is a cup. And uh, I didn't pay attention to the steps. I just thought I was going to do it myself. And I thought, I know what a cup looks like. I made it. And then they said, okay, we're going to put it in the kiln, 500, 600, 800 degrees. I forget what it was. We put it in there. When I look, mine was, it blew up into pieces. It exploded. There was shrapnel. It broke the other ones that were around it. And then the teacher was like, who didn't follow directions? And I, we were, like, kids, like, we're all looking in. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> this thing messed up. And then, obviously, they're picking it apart, and they had us initial the bottom. <laughs> yeah, so, obviously, I couldn't run away from the evidence. Everything blew up except the bottom of it. Come on. So, they picked it up, and they're like, who's Jay? Jorge, come here. What didn't you do? Obviously, didn't follow directions. The reason it was important to follow directions is that if you didn't do it the right way, you had to relieve the air pockets inside the clue. See, now it makes sense to everybody. How how is this common knowledge? You had to relieve the air pockets. Otherwise, in the the pressure, and the intense heat, it expands, and those bubbles just burst like a bomb. And obviously, nobody's there to watch it. They place it, set the heat, Walk away the next day when we show up, it should have been done. If we're not careful about following God's word the way He wants it done, not the way we think we want it done, but the way God wants it done, if God is calling you to be more, I would say, apart from the world, the word of God says it, and to be a little bit more consecrated in his word and to bend your knees a little bit more and to read his word a little bit more, don't take it upon yourself and say, I don't think I need that. Because what I learned when I made that little cup is not following directions from someone who had the knowledge, from someone who had the wisdom, from somebody who knew what the outcome was going to be, Are you listening to me this morning? God knows what's going to happen when you follow his word. But he also knows what's going to happen when you don't. There's there's just something about following his word and sticking to what God is telling us that things just end up planning out. They work the way they're supposed to because we are being formed by a master potter. We are being formed by someone who knows what he's doing. He took Adam from the dust and made him a man. If he's telling you to do something, you should probably trust in what God's asking you to do. He's the right potter's wheel. Or he's the right potter, and you're on the potter wheel. But if you're sitting there and you're saying, don't touch me, I got this, I wouldn't take my chances with that. And I think we can all speak from experience when we take things in our own charge. We know, we look back, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I I tell my wife, sometimes I'm like, ah, yeah. (laughs) She looks at me and she says, you do it again? Nope try it again. I I think I understand what's going on. And those are things that we can talk about. But sometimes our decisions have an impact so intense, there is no coming back from it. The only way we can come back from something that is so intense that has marked us has defined us and is predestined, if we don't do anything about it, we are predestined to be lost. But Jesus came here to give us an opportunity to be saved. We have taken that step by being baptized in the water in Jesus' name. We're receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. But if we don't allow him to form us, we'll just be a lump of clay. The interesting thing about all of this is that we think sometimes God's done, and we get to a plateau or, or a place, and almost you feel like you're above the clouds a little bit, and everything's going just right, and you feel like God did it. He pulled me out of where he needed to pull me out of, and I think we're done, and we almost let off the gas a little bit and just kind of relax, and you say, I got to enjoy this time. My wife was sharing with me uh, yesterday in this group that she's in, and and she uses, you know, part of my wife's ministry is to speak to other uh, women who have kids and they're at home and that that's her way of speaking to them because that's what she does. And if and she said, hey, there's, there's a phase going on right now where all the mothers are in an era. And I'm not saying the mother's here. I'm just, she, this is what she was telling me. All mothers are in an era, an era of, you know, taking kids to school, an era of baking, an era of, you know, social media, an era of whatever. And she says, I don't want to follow that trend. She says, whatever era I'm in, I just, God, want to be in it. And that, to me, speaks volume to what's important to my wife. When she speaks and teaches to our kids, God's in there, right? When she's baking and when she's cooking, God is in there. When she's showing them everything to do around the house. So oftentimes, when we think God is not there, When we just feel like God has formed us and moved us and kind of molded us, okay, we let God touch us and utilize us a little bit, but I'll tell you what, it is until he's pleased. In the previous verse that we read at the beginning of the service, it said, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So what did he do? He made it again, another vessel. That's the beautiful thing about clay. You put enough moisture enough water if you don't like what you see you just kind of pull it back in there and you mold it back up right so he made it again into another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it we may be at a place where we were better than we were last year than last month than last week but it's not until you and I say it's done it's not until you and I think it's good It's when the potter, when God says, hey, you're doing good, let's move on to the next thing. But God could very easily say, you know what, what has happened to this point, let's just change it a little bit because there is more to be accomplished. You have finished that part of your life. You have finished and completed that phase of your life. But here's the next one. I'm preparing you now for the next thing. Are you hearing me today? That it's not until he is pleased. So in, in, in the illustration of continuing with, you know, the pottery and clay, there is a process to all of this. We maybe get to the point where we're done, we're finished, we're formed. You know, back to, back to the to high school days, It's getting longer and longer every time I say that. But I, I finished it, I completed it, and I put it in the kiln. But there's also, what happens is there's also a drying process to clay. Part of that process that I was telling you about getting rid of the air bubbles is that curing process, the drying process. And in clay, this is a very important process. If there's any moisture left in there, it'll explode. It has to be completely cured, safe of, and and obviously when it dries, after it dries, you're supposed to pick it up, inspect it for any cracks. If there are cracks, you're supposed to fix the cracks before you put it in the kiln again. It's a very meticulous process. But we can always think about the drying process as a season of waiting. How many of us have felt like sometimes we're just waiting? We're just waiting for God. And you may not be waiting on him, but what he's probably doing is he's seeing that all of the work that has been placed in you has matured into something. He's waiting to see if you're curing in the right way, if your habits are maintaining, or was this just a momentary thing? Was this just a... I don't know, um, something that was just spur of the moment? Was it excitement? Or are you really committed in the relationship that you have with God? Was it a phase that you were in your life? Or are you in a season of maturing and waiting? My wife waited for years, years for her dad to come back to the word of God. Years. We would pray. I, I don't think there was ever a week where she didn't pray about her dad. Not only is my father-in-law saved, baptized in the name of Jesus, his son saved, baptized in the name of Jesus. His wife, who was in the world, never knew about God, saved, baptized in the name of Jesus, received the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, there is a season of waiting. You don't force things when God is in control. But you just let God continue to be in control, and things will just work out. And we're now waiting for my mother-in-law. She knows about the word of God. But we will continue to wait, because if that's what God is asking us to do, and trust me, when a door opens, my wife is right there talking about the word. And and just a few weeks ago, my uh, wife shared with me that my mother-in-law, in the, in the hospital she works in, there's a chapel. Just a few weeks ago, my mother-in-law just walked into that chapel just to pray. My wife's like, my mom would have never done that. There is... Something about you just waiting on God. But if you're persistent in your prayer, if you continue to let him work through you, He will make a way. We didn't tell her to go to church. She went all on her own. She knew there's something in that chapel. And I'm telling you, in that chapel, they don't preach the name of Jesus. In that chapel, they don't baptize in the name of Jesus. In that chapel, there's not speaking in tongues. But what there is, is there is a saint behind a prayer that is asking for salvation for someone else. And God touched her heart. And that's all you need, church. We don't have to take control. We don't have to dictate how something is just pray for somebody just look out for somebody god will do the rest it's a season of waiting in psalms 27 10 through 14 says when my father in my house forsake me the lord will take me up teach me thy way O lord and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies for false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breath out cruelty i had fainted here we go unless i had believed to see the goodness of the lord in the living in the land of the living wait on the lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart wait i say on the lord If someone is telling you something twice, you ought to pay attention to it. It's a reaffirmation. You just have to wait on God. The beautiful thing about this, and and I mentioned this to my wife, and I mentioned a lot of things to my wife, but sometimes some of those things are good. And I told her, I said, the interesting thing about time is for us, Sister Allie, thank you, for us, time is limited. We feel time go by, we feel an hour go by, you felt the next 15 minutes that have gone by, you feel it. But for God, the Bible says a thousand days to us or a thousand years is like one day to God or one day for us, right? Time, eternity has always existed for God. God has always been there, has always will, will always continue to be. The only people in this life right now, the life that we're in, the only people who can feel time is us. So when we wait on God, it's tough to wait because we think, man, somebody tells me to wait five minutes and they're ten minutes late. I heard him like, what happened? What's going on? So if God tells you to wait, he doesn't tell you how long. He's just asking you to trust him. Deposit your faith in what you have not seen. Deposit your faith in God. and Just wait on God. Great things will happen. Amen. The next process of uh, the clay, you're going to learn how to make a pot by the end of this (laughs) lesson, if anything. That's not my goal, but if we do, great. But the next process is we have to place it in a firing uh, kiln or in a kiln that's uh, heated up to a certain temperature. James uh, 1, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this. That the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. There's there's a saying that says if you want patience uh, and you pray for it, be ready, be ready, because that is exactly what God will give you: opportunities to try your patience, opportunities to exercise your patience. So some people say, I don't want to pray for patience. Well, I don't think that's the right attitude either. So in firing of the kiln, we can always think about it as trials and testing, tribulations, right, things that happen in our lives. There are many things that are kind of come up in this world. And if we can just for a second always not give credit to the enemy, that would also be great. Because guess what? The devil isn't in everything. He doesn't have that much power, right? When, when you're a son of God, when you're a daughter of God, It just may be that you did what you did, right? If you don't fill up your car and you run out of gas, the devil didn't do it. You forgot to fill it up. I always run really close to running empty all the time. My wife's like, you're going to get stranded one of these days. Because I I wait till like, the light turns on, and then I still drive a couple of miles. That puts you on your edge. To me, it's like, I know there's, like, 60 miles left. It's okay. When I'm stranded and I call one of you, don't test my patience. <laughs> Isaiah 48, 10 says, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Just like gold needs to be purified through through fire. We sometimes have to go through a tribulation. And I'll tell you this, how do we preach to the world? How do we testify to the world if we don't show them that through trials and tribulations, we still praise God? How do we show the world that there's miracles if we're not going through an affliction and we're still coming out on the other end saying, God, thank you for what you have done? How do we demonstrate to the world? How do we become the salt of the earth if we don't go through those very same things that even in the Bible times, even in the stories that we read, they have gone through it. If they have gone through it and God was there with them, God is still with us today. That's a good sign. The next process is clay pottery after it's been done through the kiln, after they've inspected it and hasn't blown up. There's a glazing process. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And then the pottery, this glazing process, it's it's almost like a glass or a mixture that protects the pottery, that allows that pottery to become usable. It doesn't allow moisture back into the clay. It hardens the clay. Church, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, there, you are vulnerable to the things of this world. But if you have the Holy Spirit and you have God's power, there's nothing in this world that can come upon you. You are covered. You are hardened. You are protected. You have a walk with God. You can serve a purpose knowing you are covered. Amen. And we want to call that, or, or I, the next is empowered by the Holy Ghost, right? And then we get to the end. The final product. We made it. We are a vessel. We are a pot. We are whatever the potter made us into be. Colossians 2.6 says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus Lord, so walk ye with him. Here's the interesting thing. I don't think I've besides maybe in today's time, but let's just go back to Bible times and in that time frame where um, these people made clay and, and pots. They didn't make a pot to make it look pretty. There was a purpose behind that pot. They didn't just build a pot and put it on the shelf like we do today. You walk into my house, there's probably a pot somewhere in there, has nothing in there besides just, it looks nice. Back then, they didn't do that. They didn't go through all that hard work, all the resource, all the time, all the trial, all the tribulation, just so that it looks good. It served the purpose. But that pot, we, when we go through all these trials, all these tribulations, then there is a purpose for us and there is something that God has for us. We need to be spiritually mature. Because if we want to serve a purpose, if we want to be able to perform or act or carry God's kingdom and allow people to hear his word, we need to be at a state where we can be utilized. There is a very quick proverb that just as the a story, there's a farmer who has two pots. One of the pots is in perfect condition. The other pot has a crack in it. And he fills, he walks 100 yards uh, to pick up water and fills both pots, puts them across the shoulder. He's walking home. By the time he gets home, the pot that was perfect has water in it. The other pot that was broken is halfway full. He does this several days, several weeks, several months. And then someone tells him, hey, why don't you change out that pot? you're missing half of your water every day. You have to work twice as hard. Change out that pot. That other pot that's perfect gets you all the water you need. And the farmer tells the individual, says, you don't see what I see. That pot that's broken has been watering all my plants when I get from where I am to where I am today. If you look back, all those all those plants are watered. They're perfect. They're blooming. That I don't, there's a purpose in that pot. I'm telling you right now. Whatever broken past you have, whatever broken thing you felt that disqualifies you from having a calling from God, God has that special reason and has called you to testify to somebody. There's a purpose you serve in His kingdom. None of us are perfect here. If somebody stands up and says, I'm perfect, that person is already lying to themselves. But your past experiences, what you have overcome, what you have been through, you can teach and preach and testify on that. You're filled with purpose. Mark sixteen fifteen says, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If we may rise this morning. We have to be spiritually mature. And in order to do that, you have to be on the potter's wheel. You have to receive what he's given you. Because we need to be able to respond to his calling. Look, we, we talk about many things in 1 Kings 17 at Zarephath. We read about the widow. If we could just tone down the music just a bit. We read about the widow who was getting ready to pick up sticks. You, you can read the story in First Kings 17. But the widow was picking up sticks to go feed her son. And she was getting ready to, to make her food. She didn't have any food. She didn't have anything left. She had a little pot. And in that pot, there was just enough meal for her to make food for herself and for her son. And her words were, enough for her and her son to eat and die. In that pot, there was just a little bit left. There was just enough for her to sustain herself one more time, and die. She knew where she was going, but then a the man of God, then then a man of God came to her and asked her, Elijah asked her, "I want you to make me a cake." She could have said, "No, I don't have anything. I don't have anything more to give. I, I'm done. I have enough for me and my son to die." And she could have said, "I don't have anything," and. That could have been it. That could have been the end of the story. But she sacrificed what she had left. And she followed the word of God through Elijah. She said, fine. She stated the obvious. She stated to the man of God, my situation is this. But if God is asking me what you're saying, I will obey. And she went home. She scraped the bottom of the pot. She made a little cake for the man of God and then for herself and for her son. And Elijah made a declaration that she would have enough until the days of rain came to Israel. If it wasn't for that sacrificial giving, knowing she didn't have anything left. How many of us are in a position sometimes where we don't think we have anything more to give and God knocks at your door and just says, give me more. But we feel like, God, I don't have anything more else to give. But what he's asking for is your will, your heart, the ability to just say, not more of me, but more for you, God. If this morning you can just respond to what God is calling you and just give him your heart, that is what God will utilize. Let our worship team bring you into Why don't we thank him once again for his word. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us this morning, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Each and every one of us has a calling. That widow's calling, I think about that story, and she probably didn't realize how important and how much of a mess that she would touch to every single one of us who reads that. But in that moment, that was her calling. To Just show us that even when you feel like you have nothing left to give, but when you're giving it to God, there's just an abundance left. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we continue into prayer? I want to welcome you to our next service. If you're watching from home, our next service at 11. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.